Well, we're going to begin a new series together today, and it's a series that I want to entitle Real Christianity. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm wanting to talk about it in those terms because in, my contention is this. Sometimes uh, people are living thinking they're living the reality of Christianity, but sometimes they're not. Now, I recognize that could be a bit of a controversial statement, but I want you to bear with me. And I want us to dig into something that I think is of great importance. To do this, I want to ask two questions and, and then try to address them this morning. Number one, what, does God, what do you think God feels about you? And number two, what is it that you feel about God? Please note, I'm not asking you to tell me what you think about God or even believe about God. I want you to, t- to think in your own mind, what does God feel toward me? And then conversely, what do I feel toward him? Because I think the answers to these two questions are really revealing in terms of um, thinking about how we live Christianity potentially in one of two ways. So let's look at the, qu- the first question. What, what do I think God feels about me? What does God feel about you? Well, for some people, it's not very positive, honestly. And I'm asking you to kind of look inside, really at your heart about, about these things. You know, for some people, God is disappointed with me. God is unhappy with me because of how I live. You know, maybe God is even annoyed with me because of the things that I have done. It's all based on their behavior, what they have said, what they have thought, how they have acted, how they have lived their lives, and maybe how they still do, which produces this, this reality of God feeling negative toward them, negatively toward them. Uh, he becomes the one who judges and condemns maybe even the one who is angry with them. Um, And in this, then you have to ask the question in this reality, how then do I feel toward God? Well, at a very minimum, I would suggest the reality is that we are at least uncomfortable with God. You know, it's like, you know, whenever we go to God, it's like we've done something wrong and we've got to go to the principal's office when we're a kid. Um, It's not a good feeling. Uh, God becomes someone to stay away from. God becomes someone to distance ourselves from. God often becomes, can I put it this way, a threat to us, someone to be afraid of. Um, The reality is that in our minds and in our hearts, we just don't think we have measured up to the standard that God has set for us. If you would, we live our lives in his bad books. Well, there's another way to think about these questions and to start about this with this idea again of how does God feel toward me? And I'm assuming I'm speaking to people who have received Christ. They are in the kingdom of God. They are, they are the child of God. They have come to faith in Jesus. Well, I would suggest God feels very positively toward you. Um, starts with his love for us. It's immense. It's profound. It is real. God loves his children. It's like the prodigal son coming home and the father running toward him and throwing his arms around that boy. When you come to God, what he wants to do is run toward you and throw his arms around you and and love you. You know, that father was thrilled that his son had come to be with him again. It's almost as if if we'll just spend five minutes a day with God at the beginning of our day, he's just thrilled that we've done that because he loves to be with us. See, God's a proud dad. The ironic blessing says that he has turned his face toward us, that his face shines upon us, you know, this is a God who, who finds great pleasure and joy in his children. Yeah, he knows we've done wrong, he, but he's dealt with our sinfulness in the cross. Um, 
so that it is no longer a part of our relationship with him. It is gone. It is gone. There's no judgment. There's no anger. There's no disapproval. There's no guilt. There's no disappointment in the mind of God. It is all love and joy toward us. As it says in the Old Testament, he delights in us as a father delights in the children. Now in this reality, our feelings toward God are very different then. They're all positive and they're all good. Uh, It's a very different sort of thing. Our minds, our hearts are filled with gratitude for what God has done for us in Jesus. There's something that rises up in us called praise and worship and thankfulness. We celebrate that I am his and he is mine. As it says in the Song of Songs, I am my beloved's and he is mine. A picture of two lovers who are celebrating their relationship in the presence presence of one another. And I would suggest to you there's an eagerness in this situation, in this understanding of God, an eagerness to be in his presence, an eagerness to be with him, an eagerness to enjoy him, to find love and joy in his presence. Now these are two very different ways of doing Christianity. And I would suggest to you both are very common. If I had to say what's most common, I would choose the first. Um, and I would suggest to you that that way of doing Christianity, God is annoyed with me and I want to distance myself from him, that's not biblical at all. But it's common. Um, see, the, the dynamic is, is essentially something like this. I do what I do in obedience. I do what I do because I have to. Versus this is what I really long to do, to love my God and to honor him. You know, I do what I do in order to avoid con- uh, condemnation and anger as opposed of, to acting out of love and out of trust before my God. In one, life is focused on the law and the guilt that can easily and often flows from it so that we distance ourselves out of fear. In the other, The focus is on the grace of God. We find joy in him. Hmm. We love moving toward him to experience his presence. So let me ask you this question very simply. Which way do you do Christianity? Which way do you do it? How does God feel about you? And how do you feel about God? Well, I'm going to speak for several weeks on a theme that, that is foundational to what I've just described to you. And it's an incredibly important theme in the Bible, and that's the theme, the reality of grace. You see, a lack of understanding of grace biblically leads us to the first way of doing faith. A deep and clear and true understanding of what grace is leads us to the second What is grace? Well, very simply, grace is God being good to us, being kind to us, blessing us, even though we don't deserve it. It's that simple. And this is God's way because it's in God's heart to function like this. He acts toward people to bless them over and over and over and over, not because we deserve to be treated in that way, because we don't. but because he is a gracious God. It's in his character. It's, it's part of his being. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that the sun shines and the rain falls on the good and the evil. 
You hear what I just said? God gives sunshine and rain, those things which are so necessary to our well-being, not only to good people, but to evil people, people who act in an evil way. That's grace. (laughs) Provenient grace, it's called. Grace, it's general, it's to everyone. And then the Bible says that all good things come down from the Father of lights, God. And I tell you, if you have a home, a place to call home, roof over your head, you've experienced the grace of God. He has blessed you with that. You know, if you have a car or maybe two and one of them is nothing more than a toy, (laughs) and there are lots of those out there, that's grace. God's blessed you with something. If you have a spouse who loves you, it's grace. God has provided that person to you. If you have children, God has acted for your well-being. He has blessed you. If you have clothing, if you have food on your table, if you have health, this is all the reality of grace. God has acted and given to you something and he has been good to you. And it's not because you deserve it. It's because he is a God who is gracious. Um, I want to tell you, my friends, God is good. God is good. Think of all the things that you you have, some of them which I've mentioned to you. The money that you have in the bank, you know? That's a gift of God. When, When the Israelites were going into the promised land, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, God comes along and says, when you have been blessed, do not say that I have all these things by the strength of my arm. He's saying, You don't have them. And remember this. You don't have them because of your ability and your strength. You have them because I have blessed you with them. I have given you strength. I have given you intelligence. I have given you determination. And I have blessed you every step along the way. What you have is because of what I have blessed you with as an expression of my grace, my goodness to you. Same with salvation, and we're going to talk more about this, but Ephesians 2.8 says that we are saved by grace. Through faith, it comes to us through the experience of faith, but we are saved by grace. It's not of yourself, the Bible says. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. You see, no one will ever be able to stand back and say, well, I am saved. I am the Lord's. I am in heaven because of all the good things I have done. And be able to boast about that. It will never happen. Because my friends, our being saved has nothing to do with ourselves and it has everything to do with God. He has blessed us. He has blessed us. <clears throat> he has convicted us of our sin. He has opened our eyes to see what we couldn't see before, both in terms of what Jesus did on the cross and our need of salvation and forgiveness. He has led us to repentance. He has died on the cross for us, for our salvation. It's all God. That's grace. His action for us, his blessing upon our lives. I want to read to you a couple of verses from John chapter 1. They're really critical in this discussion. John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now what this is saying, what this is bringing to us is a question. Are we followers of Moses or are we followers of Jesus You know, do we believe in law or do we believe in grace? Big question, significant question for us to process. You see, is your focus on living up to God's standard of the law and feeling guilty when we don't get there and feeling even fear and distance from God because of that? Or do we focus on God's grace and on God's truth in our faith? 
you know, we'll go back to those two questions that we began with, and you might begin to realize where you stand. What does God feel about me? What do I feel about God? Now, there's a passage that we're going to refer to lots. Um, it's, it's, it's a passage that uh, um, is so significant in this discussion. It's John chapter 9. The disciples and Jesus come across a man born blind. He has um, never seen. He, w- he was as an infant blind and he's never seen a thing in his life. He can't see. And the disciples ask the question which is very typical of their day. This is what was taught. It was talked about. It was the way of thinking about these realities. They said to him, you know, whose sin caused this blindness? The man's sin or his parents? Um. Jesus' response is really pretty dramatic and and it's beautiful and it's remarkable. I'm going to read it to you from the message version because I think it just captures the essence of of what he's saying. So uh, John chapter 9 verse 3 in the message says this, Jesus speaking, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. You see, Jesus is saying, that's not how to think about this circumstance. Don't focus on the law and who broke it. Don't, don't be looking for somebody to blame, which, which has produced this consequence in this man's life. He's saying to these disciples, you're way off base when it comes to participating in my kingdom. It's not how God thinks. It's not how I think. It's like you're in a different universe from where I am in terms of understanding. When you think it's all about the law and it's all about who broke the law and who do we blame for doing so, he's essentially saying you're not asking the right question. Because what this is about is not about somebody breaking the law, it's about God being glorified. And that's what Jesus goes on to say. This circumstance, right here, right now, it is so that God might be glorified. What Jesus does is he goes forward and and out of grace, he blesses this man by healing his blindness so that he can see. It's an amazing story. And there was nothing that this man had done to earn that or to deserve that. This is the grace of God in action. The blessing of God. God being good to someone just because God wanted to be good to someone without that man deserving it. And in the end, God looked really, really, really good. He was glorified. Jesus acted in grace that day, my friends, and he told his people, my kingdom is not about law and blame and condemnation. My kingdom is about grace. And I'll tell you, Jesus is really big on this. He says, don't judge and you won't be judged. Just don't do it. He said, take the log out of your own eye, then you'll be able to take the speck out of your brother's eye. But look at yourself first. Don't judge him. John chapter 3, Jesus goes through this great discussion with Nicodemus and he comes to the end and he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. This gospel is not about condemnation. It's about saving people, saving the world. How? By grace and by truth. Now, I need to take a moment and, and, and speak to this. I want to tell you, the law has value to us. It's not like, oh, that's an Old Testament concept and it's, it's over and it's gone and it's irrelevant to us and it's no part of our faith. 
There are lots of reasons given the Bible for the, the, the purpose of the law, and I'm going to tell you what I think are the two most important ones. Number one, the law allows us to know God's will. It reveals God's will to us. When God speaks, when he tells us what to do, the Torah brings life. The, the law comes and, and it speaks to us the heart of God, the will of God for us that we might know life as we spoke about last week from John 10 that's rich and satisfying, the abundant life. How do you find it? You live in obedience and in faith before God by obeying his word. So there's something even in the law itself that's an expression of grace. It's God saying to us, live this way. I want you to live this way. I want you blessed by this. It's a good thing. But my friends, I want to tell you, it's never intended, the law is never intended to get us into right relationship with God. Never was, never will be. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. Not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. What the law does, secondly, is that it leads us to Christ and it leads us to the cross. <laughs> by comparing ourselves with the law, we recognize, yeah, we have sin that needs to be forgiven. I need grace in my life. I need to come to the Lord. I need to confess my sin and I need to, by faith, trust in Christ so that I become his child. The law leads us to salvation, but it's not salvation in itself. The law doesn't save anybody. Grace does. Now, I want you to think of it in this way. Really important. Human religion, religion all across the world, is all about appeasing an angry God. It's all about living the right way, doing the right things, whether it's giving or worshiping or serving or whatever it might be, in order to appease that angry God. Listen to me. Sometimes Christianity takes that form. Sometimes in the minds of some people, that's what Christianity is. But I want to tell you this. That's not real Christianity. That's not the faith of Jesus. It is not the way of the kingdom. What real Christianity is, about how, is about how God has come to us in Christ. And how God saves us by his grace. Not of works so that no one can boast. You see, there is nothing that we can do. It's all of God and what God has done in Jesus. Real Christianity is rooted in grace. Now, over these next weeks, we're going to look at grace from various perspectives. And I hope it'll be really meaningful and relevant and good for you. Um... But here's my thought. It's highly likely today that many people listening, many people, not just a few, have a faith which is rooted in law and not in grace. Um, in one way, that's okay because when we begin the faith, reference our talk last week or sermon last week where we start as infants in faith and we grow to maturity. When we start in faith, it takes us a while to figure this out. It takes us a while to get into the presence of God and to dig into his word so that our eyes are open to see and understand grace. This is moving, if you would, I think it's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, talks about the elementary elements of faith, the beginning of faith, the basics. But we have to move beyond them, Hebrews 6 says. This is what I'm calling you to. This is what I want you to move into, a deeper understanding, a fuller understanding a more mature understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with God through Christ. 
And listen to me. If, for whatever reason, you're at that front end, and if your faith is rooted in law and not grace, it, this, this will keep you from knowing that rich and satisfying life that Jesus longs for you to know. <laughs> that full life, that abundant life, will not come to you when you focus on the law. You know, how can a law-oriented, guilt-producing, angry God bring you to a rich and satisfying life with him? It's not possible. My friends, God wants to reveal to you the truth, grace and truth, the truth about himself. He wants you to know (laughs) he wants you to know he loves you he wants you to know he delights in you he wants you to know that he finds great joy in you that his face shines upon you and he wants you to think can I suggest it differently about the law and even sin he wants you from that point and going forward then maybe how to treat others differently by grace I see, my friends, I want to bring you this challenge. I want you to take these next weeks, and I want you to ask the Lord to reveal to you the truth about grace. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see this incredibly important element of faith that is transformative and that leads us into real Christianity. I want to finish uh, this morning by reading to you a, a verse. Uh, it's Romans 14, verse 7. And it says this. Romans 14. Sorry, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about the current controversy of this day do we eat meat offered to idols and so forth it's not about that what's right and what's wrong and you know uh, do, do i get it right and another person doesn't and you know if i do this am i guilty before God? it's a matter of righteousness which comes to us through jesus not our own and it's a matter of, of of peace that we have with god and with one another and even in our own souls and it's a matter of joy that we can know as we rest in what christ has done for us and experience the grace of God. My friends, will you take this opportunity and seek to understand a deeper knowledge of what grace is? And will you allow this truth to transform your thinking and in turn transform your relationship with God that it might be an incredible joy to you? An experience of peace with God that just is experienced as joy in your life. Let me pray. Gracious God, we we just thank you that uh, this incredible reality exists in faith and that we are people who can experience your grace. We don't have to prove ourselves to you. We don't have to earn our righteousness or our salvation. Lord, it's given to us and we just receive it by faith. Lord, I pray for every person listening that you'll take them deeper in these weeks in, in an understanding of grace. And I pray, Lord, that it'll transform their life through their relationship with you and their relationship with other people, Lord, even in their relationship with themselves. Gracious God, by your Spirit, help us to grow up in you. Help us to deepen our knowledge of Scripture. Help us to live by truth and by the grace of God which has been given to us. This we pray 
In Jesus' name, amen.